0: Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Feliz miércoles. Last time I spoke about my, you know, my why and why I wanted to share with you a part of my story, which I think is important if we're going to, uh, we want to get to know each other, right? It's important to, to know who we are and where we came from. So today I am excited that it's going to be all about that Inka today.
1: I know she love it. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she is shaking her head, everyone. Definitely being on the spotlight is not for me. It's not my comfort mm-hmm. zone. But before I start um, sharing my story, I do want to thank you for being part of Coffee with Darling community. This feels great. I know that we're here and we shared on the first chapter for a purpose and uh, to help to give a little light out there. And I don't know, be that friend and um, that ear or that comfort if you need it and to grow together. And I guess that's what we are here. I am super happy and honored to be part of being that little light there or be able to keep a liberal hope. So here we are.
0: <laughs> here we are. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited that, I mean, I know your story, but I think it's it's fascinating if you ask me. And like I said, we all have our story, and sometimes it's really hard to share it. At the end of the day, you just have to be yourself. You have to be what's the word I'm looking for? Authentic, right? And and the audience will notice that. I noticed that. And that's why I love you so much because you are who you are, even though you went through many things. So I'm excited uh, that you want to get to share a little bit of that. So I guess it's going to show us your why, right? And
1: I'm going to start with my childhood. And I think that's the base point, let's put it that way. So I have a wonderful mom and a wonderful dad, and I love my siblings, but I always felt that I was not good enough for my dad. You know, I have um, that fight inside of me, and, that, and it was constant, you know, that I needed to prove myself to him. He, I guess he was the reason that I will try harder, that I will try to be perfect for him, and ah, I couldn't meet his standards at least... Uh, that was in my mind that I never met his standards. And then another note, crazy, but I wanted it to be my sister. I wanted it to be my sister so bad. I wanted it to be like her, dress like her, be popular like her, having tons of friends like her. And in the midst of all those feelings and... Uh, not feeling loved and being obviously raised Catholic and going to a Catholic school, uh, God put in my path, Padre Cesar. And I know that I mentioned him before. He is the person that I guess taught me about faith and really taught me how to have a, a real relationship with God. And I cannot be more happy that God put him in my path because he taught me that God's love was unconditional, and that I was His daughter, and that He was way more than anybody could ask for. I didn't need to prove myself to God, just to love Him, and His love was what sustained me my whole life. It didn't matter how my dad was with me; I had that perfect dad that loved me just the way I am, and that was my core. That was kind of like, hmm. I have this amazing father, I'm this amazing daughter, and you know, like walk, you know, walk like you are this, you know, the favorite daughter, like I call it, I'm God's favorite daughter, that's the joke um, in my family, and I always tease about it, that gave me, I guess, the joy that I was looking for, that I couldn't really feel at home, because I was, I was always in that competition with my sister, even though she didn't know it, you know, for her, she just was living her life, and I'm having this, like, I want to be like her, it was a com- secret competition between me and her and she didn't even know because obviously she was there just being her, so gracious and having fun. Like we were totally the opposite, but I guess that's the fun now looking back. So well, you know, I graduated first high school, everything was fun. It's great. I stayed always in the church because that's what I felt comfortable and, and happy. Going to church always made me happy. I love the worship and I, and I love, The fact that people was really pouring into me what um, God's love really meant. So then I moved to the States. So here we are now. And that's where I met my uh, first husband, the father of my two daughters. And that was the beginning of a journey that I was not expecting at all. He was older than me. So I always thought, okay, it's fine. He will take care of me. In my head, you know, I'll, I'll be, I don't know, like his princess or his I don't know. He was older. He's supposed to take care of me, right? Wrong. That was not the case. And looking back, I guess I was always looking for that father figure. I mean, I know that now, but not then, right? So I was like, oh, wow. That journey that I started, it was a journey full of pain and troubles. Being married to somebody that was diagnosed narcissist wasn't easy and wasn't fun. It was definitely a roller coaster. But as hard as violent and as dark he was. I had my two amazing daughters. Those, well, they're older now, but I always called them my two little girls. And those two little girls were just full of joy and love and they were happy and they filled my life. I wanted to be the best man for them. So that became a role. My only purpose all role was to be the best man for them. So it was it was for hard. If you know the narcissistic personality obviously that was not going to work because everything was wrong. Gosh, that was another crazy part because I think it works with your self-esteem that it started going down. You started doubting everything that you're doing, right? It took me a good, it was 20 years to get out of that um, marriage. It was super hard because I I always thought that I was going to be married forever, that my family was... I guess forever. That's what I wanted. That's what what that was the plan, right? You know that your family it's forever. And so when I felt when I left, I'm sorry. I felt such a feeling of despair and um, hopelessness. That hopelessness was huge because it was like a whole a hole, like a super hole inside of me. So I felt horrible and I felt like I failed. I felt as a wife. I felt as a mom. I I just know that just it was that like uh, me failing you know me the one that's supposed to be perfect right so it was a lot of hurt not only for me but for my daughters and that feeling that I fail them it was stronger and stronger every day that it was really consuming me and especially because they were angry too so now it was me this despair hopefulness and they're being angry as well so that was super hard i always describe how I felt in in two stages and I'm going to share them with you because the very first time that I shared that in a therapy session, it helped somebody because they could relate, even though what we were going through, there were totally two different scenarios, but she was like, I'm going to use that to describe it. I felt like I was in this super dark hole, like super dark, like deep, deep, deep hole, super, super dark. And it was really difficult to see any escape or any light. And what do you do there? You know, if you're in this like hole, super deep, I mean, and it's not, okay. what do you do? And that's when you realize that the only thing that you have, the only person that can really help you, it's you. Nobody's going to go there. Nobody's going to be yelling from the top of the hole. Hey, anybody down there? No, it's you. And I remember having this um, idea of, holding myself like really hugging myself and said okay we can do this and i think that's that's when i made the decision that i will get out that i didn't you know i didn't know how but i made the decision i'm gonna get out i'm gonna get out of here i'm gonna get out i have no idea how but i was gonna get out of there so i remember having that feeling of hugging myself and I said, let's do this and i called feel myself like climbing up and you girls probably know you know you when you're climbing out of up, you know if you have to use your hands okay bye-bye nails and I could feel the pain in my hands and I could see the pain in my legs trying to climb up something that was impossible like impossible it was super hard it was super super hard and I felt like I turned myself apart in the process like I'm coming up but there are pieces of me that will stay behind but I didn't know how. So finally, 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 I made it to the top. And, you know, you feel proud when you're on the top, right? So now I'm happy. I'm here at the top. Like I get out of the hole. And that's when I go to to the other way to describe myself out of the hole. And is the birdcage. The birdcage for me is, I will put it like, let's say, like, let's imagine, you know, when you were younger, when you're a kid, you're this little bird, like, full of feather, colorful feathers and beautiful feathers, right? And then, I don't know, somebody comes and pull one feather out of you and yeah, it hurts, right? Maybe we'll bleed a little bit and okay, but then another and then another and then another and you notice that the pain comes numb, you know? It's like maybe you're bleeding, but the pain is constant. So you don't feel it anymore. And now you're just there with no feathers and just there, You weren't trapped in this cage for so long that when somebody opened the gate of the cage and you come out, that world, it's too big. It's huge. It felt like enormous. And I'm like, what now? What do I do out here now? It was a moment of a lot of doubt because it's like, now what? You know, not what? Now what? I don't know who I was. I don't know what I like. I didn't know what to do, what was right, what was wrong. And I, Felt that I lost myself long ago in the midst of those twenty years. So I remember I had a favorite spot when I was a kid, and I think we all do that favorite spot. That when you argue with your parents, you just go. I'm just blessed that I live close to the to the ocean, so I had that rock like close to the cliff where I could see the ocean. And I remember imagining myself in that rock, just jumping like. Oh, that's it. This is it. You know, like I couldn't be there for my kids because I couldn't take care of me. So I couldn't take care of my kids either. Like emotionally I was zero and I was broken. And I never felt the weakest. Like I feel so weak. It was not funny. And I remember going to my friend Renee. She's like, I call her my blonde sister. Bless her heart. She's like them, I call her the prayer warrior. She she's amazing. Um, I love her to pieces. And I remember that she called me that she wanted to talk to me. She said that God, I guess spoke to her and showed her the image of me jumping off a cliff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I was like, oh Lord, okay, I'm not jumping from anywhere. But the fact that she had that vision for what I was seeing, because I was so devastated and in so much pain that I couldn't take it anymore, that I felt that I was losing my kids. Kind of like, opened that door for me to take, okay, come on, enough is enough. So she prayed for me and that gave me a little bit of hope. So I was like, okay, I don't know. I I think that you get to a point of so much pain that it's either you quit or you made the decision to move forward. And for me, I needed to move forward. Not for me, but for my kids. Because my goal was to be that great mom. So I had to do it like I had to do it. And I remember um, I was I always loved Stephen Covey and I love Franklin Covey's store and the planners and all that. And back then when you bought a planner, they will ask you, I guess, to do your annual statement. But with that annual statement, it will ask you, let's say, if you know you pass and it's your funeral, what will your daughter write about you? or what your friends would write about you, or what you want them to write. And I was like, if my kids are going to describe me right now, this is not what I want. So that was the beginning of finding myself, who I was. And I remember, Giovanna had to remember this. I was asking everybody, like, what do you see in me? Like, what? And plus, it was even great, because you think that your friends will be there for you, But God has a wonderful plan that I didn't see back then. He cleared my contacts. And when I meant clear my contacts, it's like the people that went through a divorce, you know, that your friends take sides or they disappear. Ah, Mine disappeared. All of them, like all of them. Nobody wanted to be near me, but I had my five. My super five friends that stayed with me. One was Renee. The other one was Patricia that took me in her home. Well, Renee did too I lived with Renee for a while in the midst of all the divorce I lived with Patricia as well that she opened her door for me and she was there for me super sweet she's super strong so she was always giving me her strength to continue I had Gio the Gio was that um light I always called her the light but it was so much energy in her house and I mean your kids are amazing I remember receiving so much love for your kids as well and then I had Carlos El Gordito Lindo like I call him Uh, my friend Carlos he was always that guy that I could call because I when I didn't know what to do you know it was everything looked so hard even silly things like you know if something happened to my basement or that, that mean anything that would look super hard. So he was there always. He was so funny. And then I had Chris, that was uh, my boss that I have no idea why he didn't fire me, but because it was a lot, it was a lot through that divorce. Somehow he believed in me that he could still do my job and that it was okay
0: not everybody have gone through divorce right but when you're on the other um, side of the spectrum it's like you know you might have their ex-spouse calling you and telling you his version of the things how they happen and why you shouldn't be talking to her and then you have the other person telling you and why you shouldn't be talking to him and it's just then is when you kind of have to I remember me talking out with my with my ex-husband and saying listen I just go based on vibration, you know, the light that I I saw from you and I saw you as well. I saw you at that time, you were my little bird, you know, like I have to take care of her because it's crazy. I just wanted to share this with you. Like you were, I I bet you were broken inside, but you were showing outside that you were so strong. I remember even before you got divorced, for me, my perspective is that you have the perfect marriage. The perfect house, the perfect everything. And I used to say, Man, I wish I I was like her. She seems everything is so, everything seems just put it out together and they're all quiet. And in my house was, I have a little kid by then. It was, it was messy. It was, it was loud, but that, but something inside of me could see through your soul, even though there was a part that I think "Mm, she have everything put together when you went through divorce. And I can actually probably see a little deeper. I saw that you were that little bird that just needed to be hugged and needed to be held. And I was like, no, we made the decision back then that we just wanted to cut everything with the other person. I we just wanted to be there for you.
1: You guys gave me exactly what I needed. I had Isabelita's hugs every weekend. I have Antonelita's coffee every morning. You know, every time I went there, I remember Antonelita. Antonella and Isabella are Giovanna's daughter, by the way. Um every time that I'd arrive uh Saturday on Sunday my sweet aunt will come down making coffee she was my barista I guess I was you know the um, she will experiment with me and give me all these different coffees with this and that and I mean there were ones that they were good there were ones that they were not but I drank them anyway because she put so much love in them so it was it was fun and I always tell them that they were amazing, but it was super nice. And I guess it's the same when I was at Renes House. I had um, my goddaughter and the kids, and I remember when I was living with them every afternoon after coming from work, my um, goddaughter Grace and Rose. She will like made all these snacks for me. They're like, "Oh, auntie, you look tired." and It was amazing, so, and Gio always, you know, super happy, and in her house was always music, and it was, I I got exactly what I needed, I got exactly what I needed, and so thank you, Gio, and thank you, my wonderful Fab Fives, for being there for me, they were like my columns, my rock, and the ones to support me when I was going through, I don't know, the pain that i Felt especially because I had so much hurt feeling that I was losing my daughters, that I disappointed them. I could see the disappointment in her eyes when they talked to me. So every time they look at me like that, it's like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? Like, I couldn't do better. Like, I, I didn't see how can this change. The only thing that I knew though, it was that I made a decision. That I refused to die the way I was. I was not going to die as a victim. I was not going to die as a failure. I refused to die and my kids say, oh, my mom, no, that that, that was like a mission, like, no. So especially because I suppose it's supposed to be the strong role for my kids. I supposed to be, you know, the role model and no way I had to do things different. So I was reading some of Bob Proctor, bless his heart. It's been a year that he passed away now. But his compassion and his love for people will always stay with me. Wayne Dyer, I love Wayne Dyer, and then Louis Hay and Chloe Madanes, you know, and Tony Robbins, obviously Tony, it's amazing. Once you go to one, unleash your power within. You're addicted. You had to go to all of them. Yep, because it's it's addiction, and I think is you get addicted also to learning. Like I remember when. I, every time I did Bob, if he was doing another free stuff, like I have to roll to the other one too. And I have to roll to the other one too. So I was blessed enough to have all these mentors per se, you know, even though they were not my mentors directly, because obviously it was all that free stuff out there. But that was the beginning of finding myself. And I think at the end of the day, like Bob always say, your DNA is perfect and you are who you are. Your soul is your soul. It doesn't matter what happened around you. You are you. That's the end of it. It's just, we need to dig and, and look. But obviously the problem, I guess, is that when you feel trapped with pain and resentment, I guess, I don't know, I feel like my daughters didn't love me and, you know, they don't respect me anymore. How could that happen? You know, they were my life, my everything. I was like, what do I do? My only purpose, you know, was just to gain them back but to get my daughters back like to to really be a mother because i think that in all these purpose and all when when you go through everything and you lose yourself because you feel trapped you're not yourself anymore so even back then when i look now i was i was half the mother that i could be because i wasn't allowed to be the mother that i want to be that allowing myself now to be who i want to be or to be you know, the best version of me, It is a work in progress because every year, every day, I guess we could improve a little, but I learn a lot. So I'm here now, like doing my best, trying to be better. Remember talking to Gio a little here and there, you know, the things that Gio, I guess that's when you started going to church. And I'm like I'm, I'm I'm going baby steps, you know, in my recovery of finding myself. But I guess God had a different plan. I think He He needed it to speed it up. So He gave me a gift, and I had an accident. I I swallowed a piece of glass that perforated my esophagus, and well, it punctured my lung, it compromised my heart. It's 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 a long story, but I don't want to make it super long, even though you wanna love this story. <laughs> But uh, I was like, what the heck, God, you know, it's like. Okay, I'm sorry. How
0: did you swallow? I mean, you cannot just throw that bomb and say, oh, I just swallow a glass. You know, like I just drink Coke and I just swallow a glass. How in the heck do you swallow a glass? And it's not like I love the story. I was a big part of the story. I would love for you to share it because everybody I shared, you actually ended up interrupting me and correcting it. So i just going to shush and you're going to tell the well, audience, I'm gonna, yeah, how I'm did gonna you swallow
1: you the, the- piece of glass darling okay well I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's a little long but obviously it wasn't a papaya juice that Giovanna gave me she tried to kill me (laughs) literally and I actually failed pretty badly she failed um it's super weird it was super super weird at the end of the day I remember it was Sunday I was late to get to church on time and Giovanna made papaya juice so I said, OK, I, I drank Antonella's coffee because obviously that was the priority. What <laughs> Antonellita's gave me So I drank the coffee and it was kind of hot. So we, we needed to leave. So I said, OK, I'll drink the papaya juice when I come back. And obviously when we come back from church, the juice was a split. So for anybody out there that ever had a fresh papaya juice, it will split. It will get foamy. So it seems like Giovanna, this this is what we think, right, Gio? That Giovanna put the, the pitcher, the glass pitcher in the dishwasher, that it was super hot, then the juice cold went in there. And then I guess when she served, you know, maybe that pouring part of the pitcher touched the glass and it came off. That's what we think it happened. So since it was foamy and I drank it, you know, with my head up, the glass went straight to my esophagus. Like I never felt a glass in my mouth mouth or anything like that so it just went straight to my esophagus and since i didn't know what it was i thought that you know something is creepy because that's that's what i felt i felt like when you eat fish and it has a fish bone and you get a scratch that that was that's all what i felt and i remember
0: we thought it was maybe the seed of the papaya, right? so they say, well, oh, skin, I think, was well, the skin, it oh, was oh, maybe it was yeah. you know, maybe a bag, just have some bread and drink some wine. And we were trying to give you stuff so you can just keep swallowing
1: that, whatever the, it was, right? Didn't yeah, the, the very first thing yes. that happened, um, my husband now, Manolo, he was there, but back then we were really uh, good friends, the three of us. The three musketeers, I guess. And the very first thing he gave me was pisco. And pisco for you guys, if you don't know, we're from Peru. So it's pisco. It's kind of like a brandy. So it's alcohol, pure alcohol. It's like, here, disinfect yourself. And I got a shot of pisco. And then, yeah, we love wine. So we were having a glass of wine after. So, but yeah, I mean, like the people who know me, I'm not really, I go to the doctor person much. But it was a voice inside of me that I needed it to go. And I really went kind of like, you know, like, what am I doing? You know, you're, you, what's going to happen? You go to emergency room, you look okay, you're talking, everything is fine. They're going to just make me sit there forever. And that's exactly what happened.
0: How long were you with the Since you drink the, the glass, how long until you actually ended up going to the hospital?
1: It was more than four hours. You ended up driving
0: to the alone because she's also stubborn. So she said, "No, you guys keep eating. I'm just gonna go by myself." So she went to the to the hospital, and then what happened?
1: Well, see, you now we're telling the whole story. Well, what happened? Obviously, that made me wait for a while because nothing was nothing looked wrong with me until since I shushed, I guess, because I couldn't complain anymore. The thing that I knew though is like we were talking in the kitchen. You know, before I left, make with that voice telling me, just go, just go, was that I needed to like really take a deep breath in order to talk. Like, I feel like I run a marathon, like I was agitated, but I didn't know why. So I went there, I was waiting, I waited for a while, and when the nurse called me in for the, I guess the trice nurse, it's not they were calling me in. They were like, you know, when they checked your temperature, and I tried to talk, and I couldn't talk. The pain was so bad dead tears came and she was like, oh my gosh, So that's when they rushed me. They said, okay, we're going to do x-rays. It was so painful to lay down. And I saw the four doctors coming in and I was like, oops, something is not right. And they said, okay, a surgeon is waiting for you. You prefer your esophagus. And I didn't even know what that meant, to be honest with you. I mean, I know what a perforation is, but I didn't know the implications of it. So going to the hospital, they took me in an ambulance. They rushed me. I called my daughters to ask them to meet me there. And I remember I was just praying. And I remember there a point day, like I was sitting down because I didn't want them to let me down. Lying down was so painful. And they like slapped me and they just start pressing my chest. It's like, stay with me. I'm like, I'm here. I'm breathing. So I don't know what happened with the monitor. For they said that my heart stopped twice in the ambulance. I don't remember that, but so I got there, and um, the doctor was telling me that there were tons of chances that I will not make it out of the surgery. So I said, "Okay, I want I want to see my daughters. I'm not going to be in there without hugging my daughters." He was yelling at me, but I was like, "I'm not going in there without hugging my daughters." So my daughters came. Thank God they came on time. So I hugged my daughters. I had the chance to tell them that I love them and that I'm super proud of them and that they were my life. And uh, and then I asked for Gio. I asked for Gio because um, I don't know if if I'm not coming out that she will feel that something was wrong. So,
0: Something that talks uh, great about her, like when she called me more than telling me what was happening. She, oh, Gio, I swallow a glass. It was like, you need to talk super fast. But then the first thing she said is like, please throw away that juice. I don't want anybody to drink it. You know, I swallow a glass. I don't want Isabelita to drink it or something. Please, 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 please um, pray for me or whatever. But I was like, she was caring about the other person before her own life as always. So, which uh, again, talks about your your beautiful soul. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, and that was of course like, what? We were like, what happened? We didn't know anything. We didn't know it was a part of the, we didn't know anything. So then we became like Sherlock Holmes trying to figure it out. What could it be? And looking around in the kitchen, looking, you know, looking everywhere. And it took us uh, days to figure it out that it was probably the, you know, the age of the yeah. of the picture. But anyway. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I guess the other thing that it was going to my head when I called Giovanna, other than, you know, throw the juice away, was I, if something happened with me, I didn't want her to feel guilty. So I remember telling her also that whatever happened, you know, at the end of the day, it's nothing to do with her. But I remember when I saw the glasses, I was like, oh my gosh, that's huge. And that's crazy because she didn't want me. Thank you for that. I wasn't feeling guilty until then
0: god decided to give her a second chance it was really rough but then i became the papaya killer which you know for a whole year <laughs> i will go to the hospital to visit and people the nurses will be oh you're the one you're the you're the one who almost killed him with the well papaya but you dudes. shared the
1: story it wasn't me i wasn't talking you did so you I, were no, the papaya because killer because you share with everybody I, I couldn't talk. You're, you're, it was not you it was your kids i remember
0: they, it's like they were you know it's like they started joking about it and after. You know, after a, a week, two weeks, three months, but then I a you, like, man, I don't want to be like a papaya killer anymore. But it, that, I guess that was my label for a, for a year. But the way I see it, not many people get that close um, contact with death. So a lot of people have gone through that, through like a really close contact with death. They say they, they change their life. They see
1: their life flying through their eyes. So this help you how? But if if you go to like the you know, like close to death. This was different because I had a close to that and I saw the light and we could do that in another story. And that was different because it was different then. Uh, but this one for me was, I was angry because it was like, okay, come on, God. My kids' um, father took basically financially everything that we had, everything. Like it, financially we were like, oh my gosh, and now this, and now I'm not working. Like now what? You know, like, what so i was a little angry and obviously oh i was uncomfortable you know when you you're used to eat everything that you want especially me because i love food and now it's uncomfortable talking is uncomfortable Swallowing is uncomfortable now you're uncomfortable you know like now what so i remember going to the x-rays because i was asking for more tests. i mean they were wanting to do more tests because how comfortable i was and I was always getting these cough attacks and I felt that I was choking every time I ate. And I remember that the radiologist uh, looked at me when he came and said, like, oh, so you're the one that won the lottery. And he was the one that actually explained to me exactly what happened. And I remember going into the radiolo- radiologist like very angry and disappointed, I guess, with God and what will this happen now on top of everything. But the way the radiologist put it and I guess the way he was like so warm and joking and showing me, somehow I came out lighter and I remember sitting in my car and the clouds were beautiful that day. It wasn't sunny, sunny. It was a little cloudy, but I could see the sunrise through the clouds. It, it looked so pretty. And I remember that voice inside of me telling me that my life was a gift and it was for me to leave it not for anybody else. Not to be the best man for my daughters, not to be the best friend for somebody. Everything for me, all my roles, everything was like for them. I could be the best man for me. I could be that friend for me because I wanted it to be that friend. I didn't have to please anybody in order for me to feel accepted or loved or to feel that I belong somewhere. I think with that was like, okay. We need to take serious and take growing. Now is the speedy mode. Before was this slow motion. <laughs> like, let's take our time with this find yourself kind of thing. Now is to speed it up. We don't, we don't have all our life for granted. Like we don't. Okay, I want to change. You made the decision. Let's do it. Let's do it now. What is it? Let's speed up. I'm super, super, super happy and blessed that Gio took that path with me and that journey with me. Because I guess since since that everything has started changing little by little, making efforts, and we started doing more of the free stuff. I guess now we started doing more things. Well, then you want to abandon me? That's another thing that was traumatic. But okay, she moved to Florida. But um, but I think that it it gives you a perspective. We're here, and we cannot be here tomorrow. And guess what? Everybody's life continues everybody's lives continues nothing is gonna stop for you nothing so it's either you really take charge of your life and start living your life and enjoy your life and be the best you can be or you could stay feeling I don't know if we did this parent that whole it's your decision it, it just takes a decision and the willpower and I guess the push to do it it's not easy it's not I'm not saying it's easy it's super hard trust me I know but it's just a decision and being, you know, with the people that really believe in you, that you can do it and push you. The thing that for me gives me the biggest why to be in this position, being uncomfortable, sharing my story. It's been a few podcasts already. And at the beginning I was sharing, this is uncomfortable talking to a lot of people. I don't do that. But it, it's, it's a great feeling knowing that you're helping someone And that, yes, you could avoid also sad stories. What I mean is for anybody out there that is going through a situation or that they have a partner, especially if you're super young and you really believe that things are going to change. Or this wonderful guy that you think is so wonderful, but hit you once or disrespect you some way is going to change. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> Let me break it to you, people do not change. It takes so much to change. It takes a willingness to change. People doesn't change because you want them to change. They change because they want to change. So if you are in a situation that you don't see hope getting out of there, please reach out. It's a lot of help out there. It's a lot of help out there. Sometimes we don't see it now with the internet even more. So please, please, please reach out. And if you don't know how, if you cannot get in the internet and there's people, you know, afraid that, you know, they will check on their search history, please reach out to us. I mean, we could guide you or we could direct you to the right place. You don't need to be in a relationship that you don't feel loved, that you don't feel respected or that you don't that doesn't make you feel alive. You know, being in love is beautiful. When you're in love, you feel alive, you, you, you feel loved, you, you feel that you could conquer the world, that you could achieve anything because you have that person with you, that perfect person for you. And if you're in a situation that that person is you not know, the perfect person for you, call us. We'll help you. Exactly how you
0: said. Even though we have technology on, on our hands, sometimes you get used to it, right? Because everything in this life is a habit. And you get used to a toxic relationship. You get used to a uh, abuse. And listen, everybody out there, women or men, we're not just talking about physical abuse. You know, of course that's horrible, but also the mental, the psychological abuse. That is the as That is as bad when they make you feel like you're such a little piece, and there's no value yeah. for you. So. Remember what that said is really important. Like mm -hmm. if you want things to change is, I mean, as long as you you can pray all you want, but if you want things to change, you have to change because the the other person, if they want to change eventually, amazing, you know, great. But at this point, when you're in in a space that you feel like you're not safe and you're just not happy and you feel like you're walking on eggshells, then you have to make the decision and you have to change for things to get better.
1: There is one thing I think everybody thinks that being in an abusive relationship is because obviously it's somebody's hitting you. But the verbal abuse takes a a bigger toll as well because your self esteem is going to go down so down that you feel that you're not worthy of anything and you are. You are worthy. You're here. Your life is a gift. Don't waste it. Be the best you can be. And if you don't have the right person next to you, it's going to be super super hard the only thing that I can tell you is that we sometimes feel alone and sometimes we do not want to share it because we're embarrassed you know how could that happen to me nobody needs to know I was great at hiding it I was a master of hiding it but don't do like me that wasted 20 years almost 20 years trying to fix something that wasn't fixable don't think that because you stay, your kids are gonna be better because that's a lie. I put my kids through a lot of pain, thinking that I was protecting them or thinking that yeah, that they need the family. No. Now that we look back, I mean we're super blessed like I told them, you know, now we have more tool in our tool belt. you know, we could help more people, everything that we went through. For me, God has the per- perfect plan and everything has a purpose. And this is our purpose to help more people to give back everything that we that we learn and it's funny I was talking to my uh, youngest daughter Laisla last night and we were talking about this because obviously she knew I was going to share my story and I was telling her I was in this therapy group and they were it was 10 of us uh, all of them through I guess go, going going some domestic violence two of us came out and the other person that came out with me went back and when I you know went and we were talking and what I learned was most of the people that go to therapy they go to therapy to cope with it not to get out and I remember they asking me to come and talk to them and back then I was so angry so angry that I yelled at them and said like and what am I gonna say That your kids are gonna hate you because that's how I felt it when I felt hopeless. Now I was like, oh my gosh, Dorinka, how wrong were you? Because yes, it's gonna be hard when you are out of that comfy zone, when you are out of your everyday. Yes, it's different. Yes, it's hard. But guess what? If it's not hard, then the outcome is not as big. So I cannot be more happy the way uh, my relationship with with my daughters now working on healing working on forgiveness working on growing together doing bible studies together like learning together and encouraging each other to be better I mean what else can I ask for found well I didn't find him Jovan introduced him to (laughs) him This wonderful husband, my husband Manolo, he's amazing. I can show my kids now, you know, that family is not what we thought we had. Family is what we made. We made our family. I'm super happy because now both of them are married to wonderful husbands as well. And there is hope. You could change this. You could cut that pattern as if you've been in your family for decades. You deserve a chance. Give yourself a chance.
0: Yeah, and it's important to mention this. L- listening to what you're saying, and sometimes it's hard to see it once again after you go through divorce and then you grow and and, and you learn. You you realize that, yeah, society gives you this perfect idea of, you know, the perf- what is a perfect life, right? You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids and you're supposed to be together with, with your spouse, whatever, so... If you're on that position, like I say, you okay, I'm married, but he hit me once. And, you know, sometimes he just hit me when he's drunk or, you know, he just, he's going to change. He said, he's not going to do it again. And and you think, no, I'm going to stay because of my kids. It's really important to know that your kids just need, they don't need mommy and daddy to be together. I mean, that's great if that's for you, but they just need you to love them. Whatever you are, like if you're very separate and you just need to love your kids. So if you just stay for your kids, and telling you from experience and that in tattoo, it's like you're not doing any better for them. You need to be, you need to be safe, you need to be happy, and you're gonna vibrate that and your kids are gonna absorb that. So they know everything that is happening out there, no matter how small they are, because they can feel it.
1: Yeah, and the the last thing I think I'm gonna add before we finished is every time you take that verbal abuse or that disrespect or that punch or that kick or whatever it is, you're taking some self-esteem away from you. You're minimizing yourself if you tolerate it. Your standards of what you accept or what you do accept, you know, it's going to take a toll on you. You don't see it now. You, It is super hard to see. But trust me, you're going to know the difference. You're going to see the difference once you make a decision. And I'm telling you, it's not easy, but it's a lot of help out there. And I don't know, that's my dream. One day, one day I have, I will put this program together to help families. But uh, I just need a couple of millions more. But there is, there is places that you could be safe. There are um, organizations that could help you with legal fees. There is a lot, a lot of help out there. Please reach out. You don't know where to reach out? Reach out to us. We will give you the tools that you need
0: to, you know, to find the help that that you need at that time.
1: There is a lot of resources out there. You need to have that encounter, like really have that deep conversation with yourself. Like, what is it that I tolerate? What is my standards? How do I want to live? Do I really want to stay here living like this? How much are you faking it? are your kids really buying it are your family really buying it i wanted to leave with a um
0: a metaphor that I uh, it just it really it just came to me right now but i use it all the time like it, I'm, I'm just gonna talk about verbal abuse okay so imagine yourself imagine a, a white piece of paper right mm. and and then just if you put it you know make it into a little bowl and then you know then you decide, oh my God, no! I'm gonna just put it all straight again. You realize that no matter if you if you iron it or you 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 know you use your hands and you try to make it as perfect as possible, you can never put that paper back like the way it was before. So that's exactly how it happened in your mind the first time you hear you're not worth it, you're stupid, or you know you're not good enough, or you're, you're nothing without me. All those things when they when they tell you those things, they stay with you. No matter what you do, no matter how much he tells you or she tells you it's going to change, it probably won't happen. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot take that back. Whatever yeah. you've been told to your yeah. subconscious mind, you're going to take it. You're going to absorb it. So mm-hmm. I love that metaphor because, like, I,
1: I you know, I try. I'm like, I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to iron it. Not, no, no mm-hmm. matter what you do, you use the paper, but it. the one, the one that I really love because I think for me it's more visual. I guess the one with the fence and the nails. Like if you go and you have the fence and one nail, another nail, and you're putting more nails and then, yeah, let's say they ask you for forgiveness and you take that nail out and you take the nail out. Those holes are going to stay. Your fence will never be the same. The fact that you took those the nails out that, you know, will be the pain. That means that the hole is not going to fix. And that's the pattern, right? Something happened. They come and say, forgive me. I will never do it again. Okay. Nail out another thing happened and okay we're hammering the nailing now and now they come and they ask you for forgiveness right they will never do it again I love it so you need to choose you you need to choose to love yourself
0: always you are always first remember that uh choose yourself you cannot take care of others if you cannot take care of you first so everybody this thank you Danica for sharing that it's uh I know I I was going to say I hope no I don't hope I know This is going to help somebody. And like I said, we're here for you. We are this family. And I hope that everything that we share, it makes some sense for you. Um, As I always say, remember in this podcast world, for us to be able to get out there, you need to help us. You know, we are a family. We'll help each other. Please follow us. Please like us, add a comment so that help us for us to grow so we can reach more people and we can create this amazing supportive and empowered community so from my heart
1: I love you all yeah thank you so so much everybody to be part of our community and just remember our main purpose is to help you know if I help one person with us then that's it so we're here to help you and encourage you so let's grow together all right bye-bye everyone take care